0: Hey everyone, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates for my graduating class of Wissahiggin High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. I want to thank Cassie Hunter for episode 234, available in the archives everywhere you get your podcasts, also available at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Make sure you follow Facebook and the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And of course, I am at Playa everywhere. This week, my guest is Monica Shukri. I'd seen Monica a few times in the burbs and in the city, and I never really had a long conversation with her. It was always kind of like, oh, hey, I'm passing by. Are you okay? Yeah, good. Kind of the conversations that I hated having with classmates prior to doing the podcast. It's why I started the podcast so I could have way better conversations when I would bump into classmates. And so Monica was definitely one of those people that, I uh, just kind of saw around, and I thought maybe I knew what was up. I knew she had had a baby, but I really didn't know anything else about her. So getting into this podcast, I didn't really know what to expect, and I was pretty surprised. Monica's really open in this conversation about her struggles with addiction, but thankfully, she's also got a story of sobriety to talk about. So here's my conversation with Monica Shukri. So yeah, like I was saying, like, yeah, I guess the last time I saw you was was on the train in uh, at SEPTA, uh, on like a late train back into the city. Um, and then I, I feel like I ran into a couple times at Pumpernicks uh, back in the day.
1: <clears throat> that's right, Pumpernicks. That was a long time ago. That was like ten years ago.
0: Yeah, I feel like uh so they were like the only place, one of the only places in Montgomeryville where you could get takeout beer. Like Oh early. yeah, that's right early in the morning so if you were like going to a philly's tailgate which i think was when i saw you i was like going to a philly's tailgate and i needed beer so i popped in there to get beer at like 9 30 in the morning
1: yeah yeah for sure i think we i don't remember when we opened like seven or something like that Hmm. yeah uh, um
0: but yeah, since then, like other than that, like I know you had a daughter and I hadn't really hadn't really seen you too much around. You're not like big on social media or anything. You famously have like a picture with like a, a nice sports car. And that's like all that I've I've <laughs> seen of you.
1: Waiting for a while, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Um, actually, when I saw you on the train, I was, you know, up to no good. At the time, I was in a bad place in my life, so, you know, I just got my shit together. Um, So, yeah, I didn't really, I wasn't open really about it then. Obviously, I was in my shit, Um, but, um, yeah, I had a daughter. I was in the middle of addiction, and it was pretty rough, and... I don't know. I just woke up one day like actually I was like forced to go into rehab and uh, I just was going to please people and I, I just I, this overwhelming feeling of this is it and I got clean and I moved on with my life <laughs> and I'm doing really good now um a few years in and you know i'm doing really good
0: i had no so, idea yeah i had no idea um of course that's how it is right you never know people are really good at, at hiding it a lot of times um and of course not knowing you i wouldn't you know have an idea what that would look like in the first place
1: oh so that's what i'm saying i was like in hiding like nobody knew like i wouldn't even tell my family but uh like, my immediate family obviously knew because I put them through so much hell. Um, but, yeah, now I'm, like, a single mom, and I live that mom life. <laughs> That's
0: so, awesome. Congratulations on that, then, and your sobriety.
1: Thanks. Um, it took me, like, a while to actually say something on social media. Like, I have some clean time, you know? Um, yeah really old school Egyptian family. So it was like, I was the oddball. Um, and it was what, what happens in the house stays in the house kind of thing. So they didn't want all their little church friends to find out. And I came to a point where I was like, fuck this. I'm fucking proud of myself and I'm going to tell my story. So, I'm not I'm not ashamed of it it's just something I went through
0: in my life so. yeah um I I mean you see it's it's wild just how many people from was that we see kind of telling similar stories I mean I can like count them you know two hands just the amount of people on Facebook and, and Instagram that are um, kind of talking about their sobriety their struggles um and it's something that I, you know I, I thought about a lot growing up I thought about a lot like in my 20s and my 30s when I would think back to to high school and middle school. Um, And one of the reasons why I started the podcast was because I felt so disconnected from some of the things that would happen in school um, because I wasn't experienced in those worlds, sex, drugs, parties, drinking. I just didn't really, I was never invited to those parties. I didn't hang with any people that were in those worlds. None of my friends, all my friends were pretty close. Like with with their parents and our parents knew each other and we couldn't really um, deviate out of that group or else someone would probably find out and I think that was embedded in in me and um, so because of that I just always kind of stayed in this group um, and never really branched out until college when I didn't know anyone anymore and I had to make new friends and start over Um, but one of the things that when I look back is like man the sex the drugs Um, growing up seemed like so advanced for anything that I was prepared for?
1: I always had like long-term relationships since I was like 16. But, um, you know, I think like being in the family setting that I was in, I'm not blaming my family, not one bit. Um, I'm just, I was it was hard to make friends because I wasn't allowed to do the things that other kids were allowed to do. So when I was old enough, I was like, I want to experience everything. And I just went crazy, you know? So like, while I was, I had friends in school, but like, I was a friend hopper. Like I didn't have like really, close friends. Like I hung out with everybody at different periods of my life. So
0: where did you, where did, when did you come into Wizahicken?
1: Hicken, I, um, was born in Philly and we moved back to, we moved to Bluebell when I was like five or six, I think like six. Okay. Um, so I went to Stony Creek when I was, um, in elementary school
0: who were you hanging so, out with then? Like as a, as a kid, like growing up before you get into like high school.
1: Oh gosh. Uh, Stony Creek. I think I hung out with, I feel like, uh, Kim Burkowski and Aneta Patek. And, uh, um, I don't remember who else. I just remember going to like Kim's pool, you know, when we were younger. Um, yeah. What were, but it was like always people my mom would agree to letting me go over there. Too. Like I wasn't allowed to hang out with a lot of people.
0: What was that so, based on?
1: I don't know. Like my mom's really like old school religious, straight from Egypt. You know, they're Orthodox. So they're like, I I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know if it was based on their, like, religion or, you know, their family backgrounds. Like, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you.
0: You know, what's interesting is I talked to uh, Maria Roe Gigliotti, and Mm -hmm. she, her parents are from Italy. Mm -hmm. And very similar, you were friends with her?
1: In high
0: school, yeah. Yeah, she told a very similar kind of story of, you know, she went to Catholic school in the beginning, so she didn't come in until until high school. But, like, her and Elisa, uh, their family were just kind of, like, strict and, and very protective. And um, they almost had to get permission and approval to be able to, like, add someone new to their friend group. And um, they would have to meet their parents. And she talks about, like, Susie Mullet having to come in and meet her mom before they could, like, hang out.
1: liked Maria's mom and Stefania's parents. you remember Stefania Messina because they were Italian and they had like very similar backgrounds. So you know they, they were I was allowed to hang out with them. <laughs> um, but when I got to high school I feel like uh, like I, I didn't because I was just tired of it I guess. I don't know. I rebelled really bad. Um,
0: what does rebelling look like uh, versus, like, who you were prior to that?
1: <laughs> I was sneaking out the house, like, I don't know, just doing dumb shit. I, I, I don't know. I didn't want to do my schoolwork. I didn't want to do nothing that they wanted me to do. Whatever mom and dad said to do, I did the opposite, you know, uh he, I mean, I remember my senior year pulling up, um, and I was I wasn't into like drugs like that until my late late twenties. Um, but I remember pulling up and uh, leaving right away with people to like go smoke a blunt or whatever. Let's go to the shore for the day, or let's go do this for the day. I graduated because of (laughs) doctor's notes.
0: When you got to um, middle school, was there any, like, you know, for me, when I got to middle school, I felt like it was so different with the pods. I feel like every year you're trying to make new friends and start over again. Um, You talked about, you know, Kim Borkowski and, and, i um, having like kind of a couple friends in elementary school, but once you're going to middle school, it's really kind of like you've got to make, you've got to like make your crew now at that point.
1: I feel like uh, middle school, I more hung out with, uh, who did I hang out with in middle? I think Ashley McLaughlin uh, for a little bit. Um, I don't remember like i remember it obviously but i don't remember who i was hanging out with because honestly like through middle school and high school every weekend like i went to philly um i spent the weekend in philly with a girl who was also egyptian um very similar to me and my parents knew her parents kind of thing so i was allowed to go there every weekend and i i don't know i wasn't in like any or anything, so I had nothing to do, so I would go down there every weekend. I don't really remember hanging out with too many people in middle school. Uh,
0: when you talk about uh Egyptian, you know, I didn't know any Egyptians until you and I think Aziza, right?
1: That's right, I hung out with Aziza, yeah, her dad's Egyptian,
0: okay. What is that? uh, I don't know. Can you tell me a little bit about like just Egyptian culture, world, family style? I I really still know nothing.
1: It's different. Like uh, my my it's different. Like uh, I feel like they're very judgmental. I don't know. It's just different. They're very old school, Um, even from religion to religion. If you, you know. I don't, I don't want to, it's hard to speak about and not talk shit about. Um, and I don't know. They're just different. Like I'm really close to my family now, but it took me a long time to get there. Um, I don't know. It's just different. Like the the Orthodox and Muslim thing there is crazy and like, eh, Go home, do your schoolwork, take the criticism, like, uh, and go to college and do what you're supposed to do. That's, like, their mentality kind of thing. They wanted me to marry an Egyptian guy, Uh. like somebody, you know. Yeah. I was like, no way. Um, It's just old school like that, you know. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, did you see that for yourself growing up? Like, as you're like a, a preteen, you know, and you're, you're kind of, you're now like really into your, your family lifestyle. You see how it goes. Were you, I mean, you say like, you didn't want to marry an Egyptian man, but like beyond that, were you just like, as far as like the go to school aspect and all that, were you just like, did you know then that this was not a path for you that you wanted to, to follow that your family was laying out?
1: I, I knew like, um, that. I wanted, like, I wanted to be successful, but, like, I wanted to be different. I wanted to be, um, I didn't want to raise my kids the way they raised theirs.
0: When you were, like, a kid, what did you, um, you know, what did you, what were you into? Were you into, like, anything that you thought, like, you know, when kids are, when we're kids, we we grab onto like, little things and we think, oh, maybe I want to do this or want I want to do that or, you know, like. I'm watching Nickelodeon. They're giving out they're giving out trips to space camp. And I'm like, I want to be an astronaut because there's no gravity and I want to float around. And like that's as you know, big as I could think. Was there anything that you were you grew up that you thought I want to do this as a grown-up?
1: Anything I could tell you that I really wanted to be when I grew up, type thing, was like a doctor or a nurse because it was embedded in my head. <laughs> like you should be a doctor when you grow up kind of thing and that's what I wanted to do I really wanted to be a a doctor and then I grew up a little bit and I was like that I don't want to stay in school for eight more years and I was like I'll be a nurse (laughs) and I finished all my prereqs for nursing and then I dropped out
0: so then when you're when you're like in school I know you're and you're by the end, you're like leaving classes and, or not going at all. But was there anything that you thought you were good at or a teacher that you thought like, oh, like I, I like this English teacher, this like, did you have a favorite teacher or a favorite class or something you thought was like kind of hidden for you?
1: science pretty interesting but there was nothing that like I still don't know what I want to do with my life and I'm going to be 39 this week like I don't (laughs) I don't know what I want to do with my life still uh I don't I I'm good at um I'm a people person type thing like But there's nothing in particular that I'm like, oh, I'm really good at this. But that's, uh, that's like my shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's my. People on the outside looking in see something different than what you see type. What do
0: you, what do you think people see from the outside? I don't know interesting i saw i think when i thought it, like i was maybe a little bit scared because i thought like you know you had like the curly wet hair and that was very like intimidating
1: i i got that a lot i got that a lot and people even today they're like when i first met you i thought you were a bitch i didn't say that well people even people at work they're like we're we're very intimidated by you when we first meet you you know um i get that a lot i don't i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the way i carry myself but in high school i did like to fight people i would fight boys in school well
0: how does that happen
1: i don't know i was like i was Silly, but aggressive. So, like, I would beat them up just to, like, play. Um, But
0: but you're actually – but you're, like, throwing punches, punching in the face with a guy?
1: Ace but there was a kid – I feel so bad that I won't say his name. But every day after we got off the bus, I would beat him up. But, of course, he wouldn't hit me back. I'm a girl. He wasn't hitting me back. But I was just playing with him. But, like, every day I'd be like, come on, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to beat your ass. I was just bad.
0: Yeah, and while you're beating this kid's ass, are other people, like, around? Like, yeah, get him, Monica. Like, was it a thing?
1: I think they would egg me on. They would just laugh.
0: It's funny because, like, I can remember, like, being told, like, my parents telling me, like, I would, I fought a lot, um, like early on, elementary school, middle school. I got in a lot of fights, a lot of scuffles, a lot of detentions, uh, a few suspensions. And I remember, I, I always remember that pressure of like a conflict um, or anyone knowing that you've got like any type of an issue, whether it's at this point it's going to be a fight or not. And people always like egging you on or making you feel like you've got to be tough and you can't let people step on you or this is like a, it, you know, when I think about like now as an adult, I almost go like, who cares? Or you can talk to that person or just remove that person from your life. Right. So you just, you don't even deal with that conflict. And I remember my parents telling me like, you can't let other people dictate, you know, dictate your shit and tell you what to do. And cause look who's in trouble. And that used to happen to me all the time in such a frustrating way where it's like, I don't get it. Everyone's saying I should fight. And then I fight and I get in trouble. This makes no sense.
1: Definitely, um, I I like, uh, I belonged, you know, because I had uh, uh, saying one thing, and then I had my friends saying another thing, and I had the school saying another thing, and like, I think I was like a confused child, (laughs) just trying to make everybody happy. Uh, other than myself, like I didn't know what I wanted, who I was, I was just a lost child kind of thing, and um, it it showed in my person, like it, not in my personality, but in my actions. Um, I did dumb shit um, to fit in in different places.
0: Um, you so you dated in high school.
1: From Norristown um throughout high school. Um, <clears throat> um from the time I think I was in like tenth grade until I was like twenty, I dated.
0: Wow, that's like a that's like a marriage.
1: It's in long-term relationships. Even after high school, I don't know.
0: How do you meet a guy from Norristown?
1: You know what? Lisa Bruce. Lisa Bruce, the guy she's still with, uh, it was his friend. And we were hanging out, and she, I guess, you know, I met this guy, man. He's I, older. Uh, either the same age as me or a year older.
0: Okay. What's the dating world like then for, for you? I, I did not date. And part of my hesitation was like this fear of like, where am I going to take a girl? i never knew. And like, I didn't, I wasn't smooth enough to, to like, and I didn't have like a relationship to have like the come over to my house type of, you're know, like, that's a lot of people like, well, no, like you date maybe, but then it's just like, come over to my house. Or like, we just hang out at, at someone's house if the parents were comfortable. I never felt comfortable like bringing that around, like my mom, or like still not, <laughs> and, and you know, like I, I. So, what do you do when you're when you're dating at that young of an age? Where were you?
1: Well, um, I don't know. Dating for me, I guess at that time when I was in high school, it was just like, uh, Mom, I'm dating this guy, whether you like it or not, type of thing, um, <clears throat> because all the guys that I was into prior to him, I could never bring around my parents. And it was nothing like, uh, nothing serious, you know? Um, But yeah. Um, I still hide my relationships from my parents. (laughs) You know, Uh, they're just, Like I said, they're a little bit more judgmental than me. And um, they want the best for me, though. Um, It's nothing, they're judgmental because they want the best for me. Like that, nobody's good enough for their baby type thing.
0: Did you work
1: in high school? Oh, so when I was 14, I worked at My Favorite Muffin and Bagel in in Bluebell. Do you remember that place? It was across from the old Wawa. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. It was like, it's now like a Mexican place or something like that.
0: Yeah, El Serape or something?
1: El Serape, yes. Yes. So I worked there when I was 14. I worked at Wawa a little bit when I was 16.
0: Wawa Crew
1: uh oh that's right i heard you worked at wawa
0: i was mr but you wawa. Worked at the
1: one in springhouse right
0: yes yes so did you do what kind of? so you're doing uh the, the muffin place and then Wawa. are you doing like early mornings or are you doing late night shifts
1: i was i was doing nights and weekends wow.
0: were you doing mornings though on weekends for like a muffin place like you have to like isn't that like a 7 a.m like type of thing yeah
1: or? In Wawa it was 7 a.m I remember I was always late Always late
0: <laughs> same but, uh, I'd, I'd roll in about like 7 seven fifteen.
1: 15 yes me too I think uh, I think that's what's uh that was the problem why I left because um I walked in like 15 minutes late and I had gotten a Christina Catano. Remember her? I got Mm -hmm. her a job at Wawa with me. And we both walked in. And uh, I think what the supervisor called me like a bitch or something like that. And I went off and I walked out.
0: He's lucky you didn't fight him.
1: (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed by that. (laughs) It's so bad. It's so embarrassing. That I that I acted like that.
0: Um, I don't know. I used to I used to have like the occasional like dust up with with girls where like girls were like I'd get in like an argument or something and some girl would be like you know I'm gonna punch him in his face and you're just like I can tell you as like a guy that is like the worst feeling to like have to let a girl hit
1: you. I feel so bad for this kid. I mean he's fine, obviously, but
0: he's recovered. Uh, do you have brothers
1: and sisters? A sister. They're both older than me.
0: Older brother and an so, older sister. How much older?
1: My it's older than me, and my sister's five years older than me.
0: How much older is your brother?
1: Eight.
0: Eight years older. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, wow, that's a long difference. So, you weren't in school with with any of your relatives, uh, at all because they're all one to two, one to two schools ahead of you by the time you guys move here to Wizzahickon?
1: So I remember being a senior in high school and my sister, uh, having her first wedding, like getting married when I was a senior in high school, An annoying kid that had to hang out with her because my mom said so. And, uh, she beat me up a lot. <laughs> maybe that's what, maybe that's why I was beating up other kids. <laughs> Maybe
0: we, That's a breakthrough We just made a breakthrough
1: and It was a breakthrough <laughs> You know And then my brother was so much older You know I was just the baby um. I was the baby that was adopted Because I was the only one With like light skin And green eyes And yeah Oh, really? So they used to tell me I was adopted When I was little <laughs>
0: So what are they? Dark skin, brown eyes.
1: I mean, they're darker than me, and they have brown eyes. Yeah.
0: So you know, it's funny. It's because I don't know any other any other Egyptians. Like you were what I like assumed all Egyptians like look I, like. They all have like these really like pretty light eyes and like this <laughs> kind of golden skin. And Aziza was pretty light skin, so I'm just like, oh, this is just like Egyptians look like this. I never would have known. <laughs>
1: That's great, but no, (laughs) Um, no, they're all like, you know, it's uh, it's very different if you have blue or green eyes and, and you're, you know, middle Eastern.
0: When you're going through like school, um, was there anyone to kind of like try and like you mentioned like the truancy and stuff, but was there ever any like type of like real effort? to try and like rein you in. I, I asked that because with me, you know, in school I wasn't, I wasn't having truancy issues. I eh, had a little bit of issues senior year, but <laughs> I used to, I used to come to school late every single day and uh, fill out an excuse lateness form until I overused latenesses. And I had so many latenesses that they were going to tell me that I was going to start being truant if I was late anymore. So I started instead, instead of coming to school on time, I would just start uh not checking in and taking an absence but I would come to class. So I was doing the work and I would come to class, it just wouldn't make homeroom because I didn't roll in until like 7:58. So I would just have these absences and fill out like an, an excuse absence form when I ran out of latenesses and then they would say like um they would come looking for me because they would check me for all my classes and I would be present. But I wasn't present in school in the beginning of the day, so they come find me in calculus in eighth period, and they're like, "How come you're here if if you're marked absent?" And it's like, "Well, because I can't take a lateness."
1: You you beat the system.
0: It's a little life hack for you kids out there, if anyone's listening. (laughs) But you know, for me, like there was, I always wished there was a point where, like you know, college is starting to come up. We're sixteen, we're seventeen um, people that I knew were like talking about college. Um, and I had zero path. I thought maybe I would like do theater or something like that in in college, but I didn't have like outstanding grades. I didn't have outside of doing musicals and stuff. And course, I didn't really have like extracurricular activities. I did not stand out to a college, nor did I get my shit in gear senior year to like, make it look like I did. Bianca, who I just talked to talked about like, just joining a couple, uh, clubs because she thought it would be like good on her transcript for college um and I never even had that type of like guidance or anything did anyone ever try and just kind of like hey Monica here we are you're 16 17 you're coming in your senior year here's something you should look at Did anyone do that with you
1: my counselor did um but I was kind of like you you know what I mean just you know, skating through never did. Uh, I mean, I did okay. I just wasn't like, um, I didn't go above and beyond for anything. I didn't have really great grades. I didn't, um, get involved. Um, but again, I didn't, I I mean, I had the guidance from my counselor, but I didn't have the guidance from my peers or my family. So I didn't, I don't think I knew any better, you know, and and my poor parents didn't know any better. Um, They came to this country, you know, with shit. They didn't know. Um, You know, they think it's, the kids are gonna be raised the same way as they would in a different country, but uh, with better opportunities type thing. Um, And that's just not what it was.
0: Was there anything like, were you, even if you didn't know how or anything, were you ever like, oh, maybe I could just go to this school? Was there a college or anything that you thought I could go do that? Were you still in the back of your mind was like being a doctor or a nurse still kind of in your head? Like maybe I could go do that.
1: Like. um, I th- And that I knew of were going to college. And I went to Monco, but like I I think in my head I wanted to go to Temple or Westchester. Um and I think that was like once I finish with Monco, I'm gonna go to Temple or Westchester. Um, and I just never got that far. Um, but those are I feel like the schools that are surrounded us and you know, what we know, uh, other than like Penn
0: State. You know. Yeah, Monco also made it really easy for those transfers because they would tell you about the to core transfer where if you just come here and do the two years and you take those classes, then you can go right to the other college without missing any time. And all those state schools, they have those relationships with Westchester Temple, probably Penn State. I know I used it for Temple.
1: But I just wasn't interested <laughs> I mean, I was interested. I wanted to. I just, um, I guess, grounded enough um, to do the things back then that I wanted to do. I thought it was all going to come so easy, I think. I wanted it, but I didn't want to work for it.
0: i'm still that way at times you know you don't know what you don't know and i think i, I fumbled my way through college I, I think about all these different stations of like times that you know from Montgo, and and i even did i did two and a half years to get my associates because like i you know you start getting to what i thought was the end and it's like hey you still got like 13 credits you can't graduate this semester and you're like oh i can't like no you're gonna you're gonna have to take a whole nother semester now it's like okay i'm not going to temple in the fall of my two years i'm gonna be going in the spring of my two and a half years and you know, going through and, and running out of classes at Temple. And they're like, hey, you're out of like you've taken all of your electives in your major. You've got to start taking like other classes now, not just film. And it's like, oh, OK, how do I do that? And, you know, I did a, a senior thesis with a for film and not knowing what I'm doing. And I'm like three months from graduation and I haven't even like shot any film yet. And it's like you got to start doing these things like every every step along the way um, I fumbled. And I don't know how I made it through, but all that to say that I think it's sometimes just kind of accidental. And it's like, if you just put yourself in the place to, to stay there and do it, you, you maybe make it through.
1: You know, we fumble through life, no matter how old you are, you know, it's everything's a learning process. So it's not surprising, but you made it. At least you made it.
0: (laughs) I made it. I made it. Yeah. (laughs) I uh I don't know I my I mean I did film right so my friends and I we kind of like come out of this and we all just go what did we pay for you know we kind of wish we had more I don't know and I know it's like grass is greener type of thing like it's easy to say when you do it but um we look at it kind of like we paid for just kind of like this institutional thing that didn't really benefit us in it like I don't feel necessarily I know everyone says you got to have the college degree, but now it's like when you have the college degree and then you're looking for other jobs, it's like, well, you've got to have a master's and I just go, well, what did I do all that for (laughs) before? You know, it's like the college degree is kind of obsolete while it's maybe it's mandatory for stuff. It's, it doesn't really help you get anywhere advanced. I find at least in what I do
1: because I've had this discussion with so many people that like you really need a master's degree to, to do anything um, in the field you want to be in. Um, honestly, like I'm always, uh, I always look at other jobs and, and you know, I, I'm a server. I've served forever. I've bartended forever. Like it's just, you know, what I've been doing for a long time. And I've looked at other jobs, like even when I, I did go to a tech school, I got my medical assistant. I was going to go back for, um, sonography to do ultrasound. And like, I still make more money serving tables than I would in that field. So like, you know, People sleep on it a lot and think, oh, you're a server and everything like that. Like, yeah, I bust my ass, don't get me wrong, but I work uh, in the mornings and and I have my daughter at night and, you know, it works for me as of right now. Do I want to do more? Yeah, fucking right. I want to do more, but um, I'm not getting a master's degree. That's for damn fucking sure. I'm not getting a master's degree. Um, it's just not something I'm interested in at all so for for the time being this is working for me
0: it's funny for how me. like the the uh, American education system is so just like it's so embedded in our world as if it's a must but you know like it doesn't it's not a one one size fits all for everyone's life and it's i don't know I don't know how to say it other than it's like it's fucked up that so many people have grew up with like these insecurities about you know college career um whereas you know i think your your parents came here but you know for people that grew up in the america in the 50s 60s um 70s a lot of these jobs that we're kind of like you're almost like um almost like shamed of like if you don't go to college you're gonna end up doing blank blank is what so many people made a living for and supported their family, um, you know, for, for decades and decades in the country. And now it's kind of like at some point, and I don't know if this is like the eighties and wall street and all that stuff, but at some point it just almost became like an impossibility of like, you're not going to go to college. And I don't know, like, unless you, unless you grew up with money and you were going to travel, um, it was just like, it felt so frowned upon, especially in high school the senior year. I, I, I've told this story before, but like, I remember just being so kind of embarrassed about not really having a plan when people would ask me at the end of the year, what are you doing? You know, they're signing your yearbook and good luck doing, where are you going? What are you doing? And you're just like, not sure. Probably going to Monco. undecided or whatever. And they're all like, cool. Good luck in whatever you do. <laughs> and it's, just, you're just kind of like, mm.
1: It still is frowned upon um to this day and it's it's kind of sad but like um it's just it's our culture it's what's embedded in our minds it's uh you know people think this is you know you're supposed to live life a certain way and you're supposed to do things a certain way and not everybody lives that way and um some people make it work and some people don't it's just it's your choice and uh, you know, I learned to make it work for me. Um, it's, you know, I'm okay yeah. with what I do for now. For now. No,
0: so, and that, that's the, know. and that's what you said. Like it's it's your it's for you your choice. And when I said, like one you know one size fits all. That's exactly it. It's like you know what? There are other things that maybe I want to do. Maybe I am self aware, but I'm not ashamed of what I'm doing. I like what I'm doing. It pays for the lifestyle that I want. And I need to, I want to get something under me before I move on to another step that I, you know, that I'm figuring out.
1: Exactly. And you know why it took me a long time to be okay with it. Um, I think like uh, being in recovery taught me a lot of um uh and being grateful and uh, loving what you do in yourself. You know, um, I, I'm just so like, uh, I have such a positive outlook on life now, it's just different. Um, it's just, you know, my parents still hate what I do, but they don't complain anymore, you know why? Cause I pay my bills, I take care of my daughter, you know, I have her in extracurricular stuff. Uh, you know, I have a car. I have all that stuff, so they can't complain anymore. Um, the only thing I'm lacking to them is a husband, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> Strict or not, old school or not, Monica, all of our all of our parents are giving us that are giving us that situation, no oh, matter sure. where we are. Yeah, trust me. <laughs>
1: Just, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get I get that from the mom very often.
1: Yeah, right? Like what do you want me to do? I'm not just going to marry anybody, you know? So you know, some of the morals and values they instilled in me are still in me. So allow me to live with those morals and values, you know, and understand that I know what I'm doing somewhat. <laughs>
0: someone see so, I'm, the op- I'm the opposite in that i felt like i saw my parents like have a bad marriage and so i know those signs that i just go well i don't want to just do that i want to really be sure here and not just get into something and you know not think it through
1: and listen and it's okay that's okay like for me um I was in some pretty long-term relationships that I really thought at one point or another, I thought were going to work out, but absolutely did not, (laughs) you know, and for different reasons, but, um, we, we live and we learn. And from those experiences, now I know what I want and I'm not going to just settle because they want me to settle. Fuck that shit. (laughs) Like, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to make myself happy. So.
0: Yes. Um, During school, did you, um, were you into any, like, music, albums, artists that were, like, you know, part of your vibe during the, the 90s?
1: Music was the best. Um... I feel like I listened, um, I definitely was like an R&B and hip hop person. Um, uh, I listened to a lot of different things, um, from like, uh, Jay-Z to Mariah Carey to, uh, who else was around back there back then, Whitney Houston. Uh, I uh Method Man. I loved Method Man when I was when I was younger. Uh
0: Methamary. Mary
1: love Mary J. I actually went to a concert and saw her and Jay-Z in a concert. I um, went to a Jay-Z,
0: Mary J. Was it the one where R. Kelly got kicked off? No. Oh R.
1: Kelly oh. got kicked off?
0: No, so I went to a show, it was Jay-Z and Friends. And Um, it it was originally supposed to be the best of both worlds tour, but this was, uh, and this was after the original R Kelly stuff. And they were, they had done a second album together and they were on tour. Um, the best of
1: both worlds.
0: Best of both worlds. Yes. I love that
1: album. Yeah.
0: So that, that first album came out right before the R Kelly stuff hit, the R Kelly news came out then it kind of like everyone was like, "Ah, we don't really care." So Jay-Z doubled down and was like, "Let's do another album." So they did a second album a year or two later and then they did a tour. And R Kelly like after three or four dates was like running off stage claiming that people were had guns in the crowd and like he was I don't know, just very paranoid. And at Madison Square Garden, this is a ridiculous story. At Madison Square Garden, it's like 2004 uh R Kelly they were they were performing it's like the third fourth fifth show of the tour and R Kelly runs off stage early and he's like they got guns in there and Jay-Z's like bro it's post 9-11 no one's in Madison Square Garden brandishing guns like, you're out of your mind so he had so he like tried to like go back he's like "Oh, I'm going back out and Jay-Z's like you know what this is not working you're not going out on stage and he had Tata his guy pepper spray R Kelly backstage at Madison Square Garden Same. <laughs> insane and they removed R Kelly from the show and Jay-Z gets on the phone. He's like, Usher, where are you at? Mary, where are you at? Diddy, could you come out here? Busta, where are you? And they all came to Madison Square Garden and performed that night with Jay-Z. And Jay-Z then took all those people and went and went on the rest of the tour together instead of R Kelly and just took all these people. So I saw Jay-Z like, and the, the set that would have been Jay-Z and R Kelly, where like they're performing together, they changed it and subbed in Mary J. Blige. So like they came out in like these white buses and matching gear and they did like their three or four songs together. And then Jay-Z would leave and art and Mary does like 25 minutes of on her own, you know, I'm going down and just like killing it. So that was my Jay-Z, that was my Jay-Z Mary show. Yeah. Mine was, um, uh...
1: I I actually think I have a t-shirt from it still. Uh, I think it was around 2006 or 2007, but it was in Philly. I think it was at like the Wells Fargo Center or something like that. Um, But Mary J was on that stage pretty much the whole time. Uh, And it was cool because it was such a different crowd. It was like old folks and young folks, you know? but that's one of my favorite concerts. I used to love going to concerts when I was when I was in my 20s. That was my thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, that so. was when I started in my 20s. Tw- I never went, like, really. I went to one concert uh, as a teenager in high school with my dad. And then uh, not until college did I start, like, going to concerts regularly.
1: My first one was, like, the Up in Smoke tour with uh, Dr. Dre and Eminem. Oh. And Snoop Dogg.
0: <laughs> that's the. That's the. I, so I've never gone, but I. Lo- I watch the live DVD recording of it. Like that's when I'm partying with my friends, um, up in Stamford, Connecticut, where I used to live. That would be like our end of the night thing. We come back to come back to the house and put that on the TV and fall asleep to that. That's the best show that ever existed in hip hop.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That was my first one wow
0: are you thinking like, yeah. like they're all, they all must be like this
1: <laughs> yeah right it was crazy it wasn't it was insanity i just remember my boyfriend at the time throwing snoop dog a blunt um up on stage and him picking it up like good looking out hit it and throw it back out it was it was it was pretty insane <laughs> But it was fun. I mean, we were young. I was like 19, 18, something like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a crazy It was
1: a long time ago. It
0: was a crazy show because Eminem was like the number one artist in the country, the number one album yes. with, the Master- with the Marshall Mathers LP, and he's like the opening act.
1: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: I love that yeah. show so much. Is it the Chronic? <laughs>
1: You remember it more than me.
0: <laughs> I watched it probably about two. I watched it this summer. I, I definitely watched it this summer. You're never oh, going to really? see Yeah, so I reminisce about like certain musical artists that I'm never, ever going to get to see, right? Like Whitney Houston. I, I'll sometimes get in a Whitney Houston bag, and I'll be like, I am never going to get to see her perform these songs, like these songs that I grew up on. Uh, Michael Jackson, same way. There's certain artists that I just go, fuck, I miss the boat. And getting to see, again, he wasn't sober, but this, and so he doesn't do a lot of these songs anymore um, now that he's sober, but Eminem, you know, a lot of his content was so disturbing. He's removed a lot of that from like his repertoire. And so the fact I'm never going to get that Eminem with that Dr. Dre and that Snoop Dogg and that Ice Cube, like you know, and Nate dog and Warren G like, you're never going to get that group of people in their absolute fucking prime together again in a concert. I know. Well then once you, once you left high school, do you feel like you're, I don't know. How did your life change? I guess once, once you left Wizahicken, Hicken, you're now going to Monco. You're kind of out of that everyday schedule. Um, you kind of you're going for your you think you're going to be going for nursing. You think you're like on that path. Um, how does your life kind of change for you? As you start entering your 20s.
1: I went to Monco. I remember um, working as a photographer at picture people like my senior year in high school. Um, And I got promoted there pretty fast and I was doing that for a little bit. And then I went to K Jewelers and I got promoted there really fast. Uh, And like, I thought that like working was way more important than uh, uh, like going to school. Uh, And I I think I just like embedded myself in work and my boyfriend. Like that was my life. Work and boyfriend. We did whatever we wanted. Dorney Park, uh, you know, beach. I mean, I just was trying to. And then when I was 20, I got a house with my sister and two other girls. And that was fun. That's. I think that's when the actual parting maybe began. I don't know.
0: the 20 the 20s of freedom. But also you know you talked about like kind of being i don't know strict like strict parents and you didn't really party that much you know contrary to your bad girl persona and you know leaving to smoke blunts you know during during school but like you, maybe this is like your breakout. I think a lot of people do that, right? They kind of break out of freedom when they're not in the house.
1: Uh I didn't even actually tell my mom that I was moving out because I was so scared to tell her. Um, I literally packed a bag and went to this new house. and then when she find out she found out that my sister was living with me, she was okay with it. Um, but prior to that, she just was not having it because you know, you're supposed to stay in your parents' house until you get married and then on with your husband and your family. So it was like um a big thing. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's I, old school.
1: I was still like responsible, I guess.
0: Did you ever go to Egypt?
1: Oh, when I was younger, we used to spend summers there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What's
0: that like?
1: I was uh it was it's a whole different culture, bro. It's crazy. Uh it was cool because at one point before my before my cousin moved up here, he was a tour guide in Egypt. So he would take us around everywhere. Um, I mean, every time we went, we would go to the pyramids, but he would take us different places like um, the Cairo Museum, the Cairo Tower. Um, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. It's definitely a whole different world. That's, it's crazy.
0: I talked to Aneta uh a few months ago and she came from Poland. Uh, her family, you know, her parents, immigrants, she was an immigrant. She came here when she was like two. Um, and she talked about going back to Poland as a teenager for the summers and visiting and feeling like, um, feeling like she was like the cool kid. When she would go back there, because of everything that you just have from American culture and seeing what they don't have, um, similar.
1: I I remember, I remember having like uh, the cassette tape and the headphones and and playing Nas all the time, right? And and them being so like into this little cassette tape thing that I would carry around everywhere. And uh, it's like their their windows were like shutters. You know what I mean? Uh, Like clay buildings, unless you lived in like a mansion, that's how it was. Um, I remember hanging my clothes up to dry out of the window and people stealing my jeans overnight. Like jeans is a big thing over there. Wow, yeah. Um, yeah. Like little stuff. Like my parents would send over like deodorant and shampoo and conditioner and like you know, because it's it's just different there. Like that kind of stuff there is like expensive or Like not everybody can afford it or it's harder to get. Whereas of here, it's like, it's just shampoo and conditioner. Like, you know, it's deodorant.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 99 cents a bottle.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Like, you know, um, so back then, I think in the nineties, every dollar was like three and a half pounds there now I mean the dollar is like 17 pounds but it was like you had so much money if you went there with a little bit of money so yeah
0: can you talk about just making it to this side of your sobriety now to where oh
1: yeah sure Uh, absolutely um so like I guess uh for me I'll tell you like it started with um oxy's you know, I was really into the oxies at one point and then they changed the oxies. Um, and at this point of my life, I'm with a guy in an eight, you know, we spent eight years together. Like I was in a long-term relationship with this guy and he sold drugs and I thought it was cool. And, you know, um, I was really against that type of shit. And one day I saw him high and I flipped out on him. And, but I saw the way he was. So I was like, let me try it. So I tried it and from Oxys and went to um, Perks and from Perks, it just fucking went to dope. And it was crazy. It took me down a crazy, uh, like path. My first year um, in recovery, I will say that I was in a relationship with a guy. Uh, we we lived together. Um, he was using, he was abusive. Um, and I didn't know it at first. I didn't know that he was even an addict at first. I didn't know like he was into that stuff at first. And we, um, we quickly moved in together because I wanted out of recovery houses. I was like managing recovery houses at the time. Um, I wanted out of a recovery house, and we moved in together. And my daughter was with my parents at this time. Um, I spent her third birthday in rehab. Um, it well, he was a great guy until he started using and he would get abusive and I just stuck through it. I didn't give a fuck. Like I was just like, I, I at that point I was like, I have to get rid of this guy. Uh, I wasn't really sure how at the time, but I knew I wanted to stay clean. And I I just knew um, there were things that I had to do. So um, it finally came to a point where I was able to call the cops and get him removed from the apartment and at this time shit okay so at three months three months sober I bought a car and I started uh, managing recovery houses uh, and that lasted a few months and and then I got an apartment at six months with him Um. and then once, uh, once uh, what's it called COVID hit, Mm -hmm. my daughter didn't have school, she wasn't going to the pre K anymore. She came and lived with us in this one bedroom apartment, right? Um, It wasn't meant for her to stay, but she did, which was great. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one time he hit me in front of my daughter, and I was, uh, I think that was my outlet because I knew I wanted out. I just didn't know how, um, and he hit me and uh, I've never ever been in an abusive relationship. I don't know shit about it. And I just was like, what the fuck? And I called the cops and I spent the night at my parents' house and then I came back uh, the next day and it was, it's been me and her ever since. So yeah, now I have um, a house You know, I rent it, but it's, it's, it's mine. Um, uh, I can do whatever I want to it. Um, I got promoted at work. Now I have my daughter in like, you know, gymnastics and dance and I'm just, you know, positive and (laughs)
0: What's that like now, like now that you're on this, now that you're on this other side and you've been, you've been sober and you've got your daughter and what's that like now being like the single mom and, and being clear and, and kind of being able to truly enjoy it.
1: It's totally different. It's a totally different world, but I love it. Yeah. Um, We're like, we're super close. She talks just like me. It's scary. You know, uh, it's so scary. Um, and it's just, it's it's cool to to uh, be this close to a human being. And she has my back through everything. And I make sure we're busy and we study together. And uh, this is probably the longest that I've sat down in a really long time. Like I went on vacation with her this summer, just me and her um it's always just me and her now and, and I'm okay with that like I don't bring guys around her anymore like I date but I don't uh, I'll never bring a guy around her unless I'm like uh really sure yeah. um like I said every every experience is a is a lesson you know and that's just how I view things now it's just all life lessons and you know and like I'm blessed to be able to do the things that I do now. Like I'm super grateful. Um to other people it doesn't seem like much, you know what I mean? But to me it's a it's a big deal. Um cuz I I had nothing a few years ago. I didn't have shit and I didn't get any help to get where I'm at now. Um and I did it in such a, a small amount of time. So It's like a big fucking deal for me. Um,
0: You could tell you, you could tell the pride that you have, like, and as you're like, like, you know, got that car back and, and got a place and keeping this job. And somehow you kept this job and like being able to move through it. Like you can see the, like you have pride in, in, in these kind of benchmarks that, um, again, I don't know. I don't know much about addiction. Um, just people that I've talked to. Um, but, I guess like one of the things that I've always, that, that's very common when people are telling stories or, you know, the ability to say that they've got something of their own, that they're holding on to things and that they're building and they're doing it on their own. Cause I, I think the impression that they get, especially when they, like you, know, you talk about disappointing people around you and you, people don't think you're ever going to be able to do anything. People keep, feel like they can't count on you and then to be able to prove that you can do things, you are accountable, you're responsible you can have your daughter back, you can pay your bills. Like, you know what I mean? That it's such a big step because for so long people didn't see that in someone battling addiction. Uh,
1: It's definitely, it's something to be proud of. Um, and people do rely on me now and you know, and it's, uh, my, my family can count on me now and then they can call me and just talk to me instead of calling me to make sure I'm, I'm still alive. Um, it was, I think um, a lot of me getting sober was, I'm tired of disappointing everybody. And most importantly, I'm tired of disappointing myself. And I'm tired of disappointing my daughter. Because... Um, She was with my parents and they're old and, you know, and every time I would leave her, she would cry and scream, you know, and it, it, it hurts. It hurts. Like um, I seemed like a bad mother. And (laughs) I, I probably was, but I didn't know. I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know how to be a human being. I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and I'm not like full blown recovery. Like I don't, I, I I did work 12 steps. I don't anymore. I just live a normal life. Uh, and to me, it's like, I can't believe I did that shit. Um, to me, it's more like, how did this happen? Like, uh, how could you do that? But I've always been the black sheep of my family and you know now, they can be proud of me too. Like
0: now, you're a um, bright light. If I, can they're they yeah,
1: they're not. You know, it is what it is now. Yeah, I don't care anymore, and, and I I I don't care what other people think. Anymore. Um, I I have to, um, not worry about that, because, um, when you worry about what other people think, that's what gets you like fucked up. So, you know, living life, trying to do better, trying to be better.
0: That's inspiring. I had no idea when I reached out to you that that was, you know, that this was your story. I had no clue at all. So to, you know, one, to see you and to start off and see you and you, and you look great. And then you start to tell a story and realize it was so, you know, so recent. Um, that you've recovered and this is your outlook that that what like what the hell was that Um, just seems so I don't know ha- it seems so like positive and, you know, feels good for me to see you like that and hear you talk like that.
1: I just hope maybe it, maybe somebody needs to hear it. Maybe I'll inspire somebody else. Maybe you never know. That's my story. It's what I went through and. If you want to judge me, then go ahead. But you know, I on you than yourself, honestly. So um I've done enough of that in my life and I'm cool with me now.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> well, we went through like a lot of a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. Um, the last thing I do like to do before I end this <laughs> you know what's coming, right? We're gonna pull out the yearbook here. And we're gonna see Monica from our 2001. Let's see. <laughs> the wet hair.
1: The wet hair. <laughs> it was always gelled. I don't know that it was always wet, but it was always gelled.
0: <laughs> uh you got track and field for ninth grade.
1: I uh I threw javelin in ninth grade. Okay. Yeah, uh. I was I was actually pretty decent till I did something to my elbow. Yeah
0: uh your quote is pretty interesting you have an you have an actual quote here do you know do you remember your quote
1: something about yeah i don't know some it was a dr seuss quote
0: yes it is a dr seuss quote yeah you have brains in your head you have feet in your shoes you can take yourself any direction you choose Uh, interesting What's, what's that from what dr seuss is that from
1: heard it uh, somewhere and i was like i like that
0: it is good uh thanks to god mom dad michael and marianne for always being there for me uh loris and simon
1: philly that i went to go to her house every weekend
0: okay and the rest of my friends i love you that's it no no initials you just kind of say the rest of my friends Mm -mm. just loris and simon
1: simon's my cousin all right yeah
0: (laughs) because he jumped around to so many different groups you just couldn't really name anyone
1: yeah i guess special enough i i don't know i'm not saying that everybody's special (laughs) <laughs> everybody that i hung out with you know uh i guess impacted me somewhat in my life but.
0: all right that was my conversation with monica shukri if you want to see good smiles youtube.com slash redshirt playa you can see the happiness in monica's eyes and her face and uh, her talking about her daughter and just what she's accomplished since sobriety she's really proud as she should be Despite some of the dark times we talked about, it was a really good conversation. Again, I didn't know Monica was going through these things when I would see her in passing uh, around the city or in the suburbs. So it was pretty surprising to hear where Monica was during those times in her life. And again, that's what this podcast was, to eliminate those meaningless conversations that you have with classmates that you just go, hey, you good, I'm good, bye. So to hear about monica's childhood and her perception of herself and how that matched with what i thought of her and to see the strength and courage that she's come out on the other side and now not just as a daughter but as a mother it's inspiring again you can check out the video at youtube.com follow the podcast on instagram and on facebook at we weren't friends in high school in two weeks my guest will be adam salter adam is someone i consider to be part of the cool kids But because of both of our loves of hip hop, I ended up talking to Adam a lot through middle school and high school. He's one of the few classmates that, while I had zero social interaction with in school, would always give me the time of day to talk about what was on my mind, to tell him about a song that I heard on the radio. Uh, Adam's a very fun guy, and I was very excited to have this conversation. I hadn't seen Adam since graduation and really knew nothing about his life. So it was fun to be able to sit down and chop it up with him for a little bit. All right. That is it for me. I will see everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning with my next guest, Adam Salter. Later.